Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the 2020 PSGH orientation program for newly qualified pharmacists, and also the inaugural meeting of the Young Pharmacist Group of Ghana. It's been a long time coming, but this is the first of many partnerships between PSGH and YPG. And on behalf of all executives of YPG PSGH, I wish to congratulate all the newly qualified pharmacists. Indeed, you have run a good race and you have chose a noble, chosen a noble profession. Well done. My name is Daisy Gracie Sapomabwedu, Vice Chairperson of YPG PSGH, and I will be your MC for today's program. So with the support of Pharmacy Council, this event is CPD accredited and it's coming to you live from Wakpip Hall inside University of Ghana, Lagon. Throughout this session, you'll be able to send your questions and concerns to the Mentimeter link, which was earlier provided. It is an honor to be joined by the person in the highest office of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana. He is doubling as the chairperson for today's program. Also present here are Her Excellency Farm Mrs. Yvonne Yurenchi Ewuku, Reverend Sena Awiti, Mr. Kwakwa from Pharmacy Council, Farm William Kofi and T of Ad Pharma. And let's also appreciate our sponsors, especially our title sponsor, Denk Pharma. We also have sponsorship from Mega and Pharmanova. So to speak later in this session on code of ethics and professionalism, we'll have a representative from PSGH, followed immediately by the manager of this venue, that's Wakpik Hall. And in that order, so please take note. But before they take their turns, we'll now invite to the podium or joining us online, the hardworking president of PSGH, also our chairperson, for today's program, His Excellency Farm Benjamin Kwame Boche. Ladies and gentlemen, let's receive our president. Good morning to everyone. And uh, I am very, very happy to, to have been president, able to- President, can you please, in. sorry to interrupt, can, but can you please turn your video on, please? Okay, good morning once again. And I am very happy to have been able to join you online. Um, this very first meeting of the YPG of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana. Um, I've not been able to join you in the studio because I am simultaneously attending the Pharmacy Council meeting uh, online. So uh, permit me to speak to you uh, uh, through this process. First of all, on behalf of my own self, the Standing Executive Committee and the Governing Board of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, we, we want to congratulate the YPG uh, for the work that has been done so far and also for working with us to get the YPG uh, duly uh, inaugurated uh, during the last uh, AGM. Uh, we want to assure you as a society 
uh, that we are going to work with you and we are going to encourage you and we are going to ensure uh, that YPG becomes a very vibrant uh, group uh, affiliated to the Pascal Society of Ghana and working for the interest of all uh, young pharmacists. We will want to see pharmacy moving another trajectory. We will want to see pharmacy delivering and pharmacy diverging into uh, very major specialized areas uh, of pharmacy practice and not only within pharmacy practice, but within the public health space. And therefore, I have a dream that one day you will get pharmacists in public health rising up highest to, to, to the systems in Ghana Health Service, in human resource for health development, uh, in the, the major technical clinical areas, all the subspecialties, and, and then also. Um, in, in, in community support, uh, so that the presence of pharmacists will be, will be felt all over. I want to wish you very well. And in this process, um, the executive secretary and the vice president will be taking you through what the pharmaceutical society itself is about, what it stands for, what are the constitutional issues, what are the ethical and, and, and other issues that bind us together as one group of professionals. And I wish you very well in this meeting. And we as SEC and governing board will be interested in the outcomes of your meeting uh, so that we can carry some of your suggestions forward. Uh, long live YPG, PSGH, long live Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Right here, Reverend Sena Awiti. Thanks so much for joining us, President. So this morning, as we will always do for newly inducted pharmacists, we will host them at the National Secretariat of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana off the Spintex Road. However, because of the times we are in, their induction was held online and therefore uh, we thought that we should do this the day after so we we plan to do it together with so who are legally mandated to do so it becomes our responsibility to then uh, be able to give them some orientation that pertains to the profession. Um, please uh, put on the slide so I could run through quickly. Okay, so this is the presentation outline. I'll give you a brief history of the PSG, the governance structure, the vision and the mission, and then the vice president will continue with the professionalism ethics. Take you through a few slides of the code of ethics, and then um, conclude. So the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, as I said, is the Professional Association of Pharmacists in Ghana, registered on the 19th of, or founded on the 19th of December, 1935. Uh, so it, it means it was under the former Gold Coast. 
It was incorporated on the 2nd September 1936. The first act that regulated the profession was the Act 64, which was called the Pharmacy and Drugs Act of 1961. And it gave statutory recognition to the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana. Before then, it was just an association and you could or could not join. It was optional. It was under the professional body's decree, which was promulgated in 1973, it became compulsory for such professional associations to be registered under that decree. So BSGH was the third profession to be registered under the NRCD 143, which is a professional body's decree. And under that decree, before anyone can practice any particular profession so registered under that law, you will have to belong to the registered professional association. And pharmacy being a recognized profession to practice as a pharmacist in Ghana, you need necessarily to belong to the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana. So when you register as a pharmacist, the pharmacy council, it is expected or required of you to then join the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, present proof of membership so the pharmacy council can complete your process of registration, which I believe all of you newly qualified pharmacists have done and have paid the recognized or the registration fee. So the PSGH is governed by a constitution which incorporates bylaws as well as the code of ethics. And the latest or the last review was in August 2016. The annual general meeting of the society is the highest decision-making body. So the 2016 constitution was duly um, voted upon and accepted. And that is what is governing the society as uh, we speak. The society currently has 10 regional branches, which um, goes hand in hand with the previous 10 regions that the country had. So now that we've moved to 16, maybe in the years ahead, we'll have to see how we can get uh, six more regional branches. So the chairpersons of the various branches, which we call wings of the society, and the interests and practice groups are members of the governing board of the PSGH. The following are the practice group that we have currently. We have the Community Practice Pharmacists Association. We have Government and Hospital Pharmacists Association, GOSPA. We have the Industrial Pharmacists Association. We have Medical Representatives. That's the Association of Representatives of Ethical Pharmaceutical Industries, AREPI. And we have the Academic, Social, and Research Pharmacists Association. Currently, we have two interest groups. Until the last AGM, we had one. LAPAC was then the only interest group. The interest is that they were ladies, so they have a common interest being lady pharmacists. So they congregated together to have LAPAC. But young pharmacists also said, we are also young, so we also have a, we have peculiar interest. So uh, they engaged the leadership and we took them through the process and here we are with the Young Pharmacists Group of the PSG, YPG, PSG. Let's give a round of applause for them. Yes. And I believe all pharmacists that are online now, the newly inducted, will automatically become members, just as every lady 
is automatically a member of LAPAC. So the annual general meeting, which is a meeting of all pharmacies that we hold as the constitution places a demand upon us in August or September is the highest decision-making body of the PSGH. That is where any resolution that governs the society is decided upon every year. And even though we are in the COVID times, we still managed to hold our AGM, which for the first time was held virtually. However, the management of the society is vetted in the governing board of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana. The membership of the governing board is currently 25. It used to be 24. But as you know, the chairperson of YPG will be a member of the governing board. So it has increased the numbers to 25. So we have four elected members who are elected biannually and every two years. So we have the president, vice, honorary treasurer, and then one elected executive member forming the standing executive committee. We have the editor who's appointed by the board, the executive secretary also appointed by the board. We have chairpersons of the 10 regional branches. So should we have 16 regional branches, all the chairpersons will be on the governing board. We have chairpersons of the seven interest and practice group. We have five practice group and two interest groups. The head of pharmacy of the Ministry of Health is on the governing board of the society. Then we have the representative of deans or heads of faculties or schools of pharmacy in Ghana. The meetings of the board are held once every three months. So it is when we meet that decisions are taken regarding what has happened, what are we doing, and then the way forward for the next quarter. The vision of the society remains the, the fact that we strive. Where do we want to be? Vision. How, what do we want to, how do we see ourselves in a couple of years? So we strive for the well-being of all through the provision of what? Excellent pharmaceutical services at all times. How do we provide that? We do that through the mission. That is to provide accessible, affordable, sustainable quality pharmaceutical services to all through professionalism, which we'll talk about shortly, continued professional development as we are doing now. The Pharmacy Council that is legally responsible has accredited this session. Leadership and collaboration with government, local, international organizations, and other relevant stakeholders. I now leave the podium for the chair, the vice president of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, beautifully clad in a white cloth, to take you briefly through what ethics and professionalism is and what is expected of every pharmacist. Madam Vice, you are welcome. Thank you very much. So every professional, I'll just continue from where the executive secretary left off and just talk a little about our ethics and professionalism. I know that um, as uh, YPGPSGH, you are in a hurry to have your inaugural meeting. So I'll not talk too much. And again, the ethics, really the content of the ethics are in the um, constitution, as has already been mentioned, and also it is available on our website. So there are just a few of the ethics that I will want to highlight on. But to talk about professionalism, every profession 
is guided by certain qualities, certain values. And it is the identification with these values and the expectation that these values will be adhered to at all times, which stand a particular profession out. And the profession of pharmacy is not different. So when we practice with these principles, then we are said to be professional in what we do. And in order to be able to do that, one of the things we always have to do is to be subject to some disciplinary procedures. And all of these are important for us to be able to practice um, as professionals. So for us, as we have mentioned, we do have our code, which we work with. But you will find but that usually in any practice, in any profession, what happens is that the code of practice will always precede enactments of law because there are some things that we start doing, changes coming, like now we are talking about um, uh, telepharmacy, telemedicine. What are the implications? There are some practices that will be taken, will be undertaken, and after some time, what will come out is that there'll be some kind of regulation. So the ethical practices will normally precede the enactment of the law. So when we talk about the ethics, sometimes it is very difficult to grasp, and that is why as a group, we have to agree on some of the things that we go with. What somebody, because of their background or understanding of some things, may consider as right or may consider as critical may not apply to everybody. And so in every profession, and pharmacy is not left out, there are some things that you must do, other things you must not do. And even though those things may not be stated out categorically in the law, that is what is expected of a pharmacist. And so we look at how we distinguish between practice that somebody will say is virtuous or somebody, practice that is right, some practice that is moral and what is not. Those are the things that we look at when we are talking about ethics. So let's um, talk, let's just jump to our, I have a few that I want to look at and one, Article 1 and Article 2 go hand in hand. That as a pharmacist, we will, or I will ensure that at all times, as a matter of first priority, I'll recognize the rights, the health, and well-being of the client. And I'll also encourage the client to participate in all decisions. Sometimes because of the knowledge that we have and the understanding that we are better equipped to take some decisions. It is easier for us to feel that we must take the decision for the client. But it is the client that feels the pain. It's a client that goes through the trauma. And so it is important that the client is given all the information that he or she needs to make the right decisions or to at least help in making decisions concerning their health. I will just jump to Article 5, because it is um, a very interesting article, I think, that a, a pharmacist is a good citizen and upholds 
and defends the laws of the nation. He, find, he keeps himself informed on pharmacy and laws of medicine and other relevant laws pertaining to sanitation, health, and safety. They cooperate with enforcement authorities. They shall not engage in any activity that will bring the profession into disrepute and shall expose without fear or favor illegal or unethical conduct in the profession. I was having a discussion some time ago with some people about who a snitch is. And I think the, depending on where you come from, you probably would say that when we say you will expose without fear or favor illegal and unethical conduct, you could consider, consider that as snitching. But that is what you are supposed to do because that is what upholds the profession of pharmacy. If you practice, if your conduct is good and the other pharmacist's conduct is not, people do not differentiate between you and the other pharmacist. They will say pharmacists behave in this way because that is the experience that they have. So to uphold the profession of pharmacy, it is important that you are able to take that stand, that I will know the law, I will find what is required, and I will do what is required. And if I find somebody doing what is not, maybe I will tell them, and if they will not comply, I will make sure that I expose it. I want to go to Article 10. Yes. It says, a pharmacist shall not allow others to use his name, qualifications, address, or photograph in connection with the distribution of any medicinal product to the public. Perhaps this is um, another way of saying a pharmacist shall not hang his license. Please. You should be providing the service. You should not allow your name and your qualification to be used in connection with the distribution of medicinal products when you are not the one providing that service. I'll move to Article 17. It says, a pharmacist must respect the confidentiality of information acquired in the course of professional practice relating to a patient and the patient's family. Such information must not be disclosed to anyone without the consent of the patient or appropriate guardian, unless the interest of the patient requires such disclosure. Usually that interest will be determined by law. So you must know that that is what the law requires before you disclose that information. And sometimes the information is juicy and would be nice for gossip. But as a pharmacist, you do not disclose any information. I'll move to Article 21. The pharmacist keeps himself informed regarding professional matters by reading current pharmaceutical, scientific, and medical literature attending seminars, and by any other means. 
please, let's keep ourselves abreast. If we want to be the pharmacists that we have trained to be, then when we are called um, regarding any information, we should be ready to give it. The only way we can do that is to be on top of our game. We'll look at Article 25. A pharmacist assumes responsibility for any pharmacy function, whether as an employee, locum, advisor, or otherwise. Uh, and that pharmacist, so when a pharmacist assumes that responsibility, the pharmacist is responsible and professionally accountable for all decisions to supply a medicine. So if you are not there and the decision is taken, you are responsible. You are responsible. I will just jump to the conclusion and say that pharmacy is a universally recognized profession which must be practiced in line with a common code of professionalism and ethics. This will assure public interest and confidence. Thank you. Thank you, Farm Yvonne Yurenchi Ewuku. So um, for those of you asking online, the presentation slides will be made available to you after the program. Most likely it will be in your mailbox. And also the Mentimeter link, which is for your questions and concerns, will also be posted in the chat box. So please keep checking. Okay, so we've come to the second part of the program, which is the inaugural meeting for the Young Pharmacist Group of Ghana. And to kickstart this session, we invite to the podium our undoubted president, the very able Dr. Richmond Ejiriha Ama, to give an overview of the YPG PSGH, the present and the future. Thank you. Let's welcome him with a round of applause. Thank you very much, Madam Vice Chairperson. Um, Vice Chairperson. Welcome, everyone. Honorable Chairperson, respected panelists from all practice groups, I invited and all other guests here gathered, as well as friends from the media. When the apothecaries of old started compounding in the early centuries, they had little inkling that the pharmaceutical industry would become a trillion dollar industry only a few hundred years later. Interestingly, the motive and spirit with which the founders of pharmacy started their simple compounding has little or no change in the ideal practice of pharmacy today. Several attributes such as compassion, non-maleficence, attention to detail, and scientific rigor have all endured as guiding principles for pharmacy practice across various fields. And these fields are clinical, manufacturing, regulatory, leadership, research, and academia. In Ghana, pharmacy has undergone evolution over the years. 
and quite similar to the pharmacy profession globally. Very recently, the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology introduced a Doctor of Pharmacy degree program. And with that, education of pharmacists in Ghana has been brought up par with global standards. The Doctor of Pharmacy degree is relatively common for pharmacists in many countries worldwide. In some countries like the USA, it is only available as a second degree after one has obtained a bachelor's degree in a relevant program. However, in some countries like Ghana and India, whose first batch of PharmD students graduated in 2018 and 2014 respectively, the program is run for six years without the mandatory requirement for a bachelor's degree. Pharmacy in contemporary times has more focus on patient-centeredness as opposed to medicine-based approaches as you might have heard about many times in pharmacy school as a recent graduate. It will help not to think of patient-centered care as a cliche and rather see it as an opportunistic professional paradigm that we must imbibe as young pharmacists. The Institute of Medicine defines patient-centered care as providing care that is respectful of and responsive to individual patient preferences, needs, and values, and ensuring that patient values guide all clinical decisions. This definition seems to be biased towards clinical practice, but the skeletal principle remains same regardless of the area of practice. And so we may rename this as a patient-centered practice rather than care. So that whether you are in regulatory, research, manufacturing, or academia, we know that we exist for the patient. When regulation fails, substandard professionals and practice become the norm. And guess who is at the receiving end of this? When academia fails to train upcoming pharmacists properly, guess who bears the brunt again of these half-baked pharmacists? When the manufacturers make unsafe drugs, can you guess who these drugs are administered to in the end? I hope you see where I am going with this. When we make the patient the center of our work, our vision becomes clear and our focus sharp. Money is good and important for our thriving. It is good recommendation that our works and professionalism attracts money as a tangible reward and value that society places on us. Turn the other way around, it can affect our individual and collective professional image, which would turn around the value society has for us. So the onus is on us. Our real professional behavioral learning has just begun. And the conscious focus on professional development, wherever we find ourselves, will be a great guide towards a successful career as a pharmacist. Unethical practices, unfortunately, may not be uncommon now in pharmacy practice, but we have the mantle and responsibility now to make it the norm. When we make ourselves rather than the patient the center of our practice, we make many mistakes that cost our integrity at best and innocent lives at worst. Colleagues, I share in the thought that it is important that wherever we are in the profession with patient-centered practice in mind, 
we aspire for professional excellence. So the question is this, how do we ensure professional excellence? Honorable Chairperson, with our vision as projecting pharmacy to increasingly become an indispensable profession, occupying a unique and specific niche in healthcare systems locally and globally through young pharmacies, there are components of professional excellence that cannot be done with. They are integrity, leadership, ownership, unity, empathy, passion, and adaptability. Integrity simply means that we must act right by ourselves. Our ethics and our conscience always, whether anybody is watching or not. In leadership, we are to stay ahead as professionals, commence initiatives, and lead the change in healthcare. We are to demonstrate ownership by owning our initiatives as individual members to drive our passion. Working together in unity makes us more efficient in delivering value to relevant stakeholders. Empathy ignites our sense of agency in serving others, trying to understand how others feel will help us act in their best interest. Without passion, we are lost. What becomes monotonous and we only follow the motions. If we do what we love, then it is no longer work, but fun. Then work, waking up in the morning becomes something that we look forward to, and we will not hate Mondays so much. Let us not only think of what we can get out of this world, but also what we can give to the world. Finally, adaptability. All industries, the pharmaceutical industry is not excluded, are in constant state of flux. There are changing trends, innovations, destabilization, industry shift, and so on. This means that pharmacies constantly adapt so as to stay relevant. Using the disruption caused by COVID-19 as an example, how did community pharmacies adapt to continue delivering essential medicine to the people who needed them even during lockdown? How did pharmacies in the hospital ensure that their supply chain were not disrupted? How did regulators adapt to ensure and enforce that employers of pharmacists and pharmaceutical support staff are keeping these professionals adequately protected during their work in the pandemic? The world is quickly shifting to data science, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. How are we as pharmacists adapting? The Young Pharmacist Group of the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, YPGPSGH, was formed to give a voice to the youth in the Mother Association. Ladies and gentlemen, it is in order that I express my sincere gratitude to the following individuals and bodies that have been instrumental in making this idea a reality today. The leadership of Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, the PSGH president, Farm Benjamin Boche, the Vice President, Farm Lawyer Yvonne Yinchua Isiku, the Executive Secretary, Farm Reverend Denisena Awiti, the Steering Committee and the Advisory Group of YPG PSGH, not forgetting my committed Executive Committee. Farm Dr. Paul Usudonko, thank you very much for your support. We are so much grateful. To our title sponsor, Deng Pharma, we are also much grateful for supporting us massively. 
and every pharmacist that has made and is still supporting the growth of YPG PSGs, we say, Ayiko. I will not end without assuring everyone that the YPG PSG shall engage fresh graduates, newly inducted pharmacists, and young pharmacists in a range of activities that will project the profession while helping individuals grow too. We shall be the voice of every young pharmacist advocating and pushing for our interest. There will also be several training opportunities for members in the areas of leadership, community service, clinical and non-clinical education, and many others. It is our hope that the impact of this group will reflect in the quality of pharmacy practice in Ghana. Long live YPG, long live PSGH, long live Ghana. Thank you. Okay, so one of the questions we received in the chat box is how long does one stay young and be part of the young, how long does one stay young and be part of the young pharmacist group? So for now is below the ages of 35. And if you are less than five years, if you have less than five years post qualification experience, but the constitution also makes room for those that are young at heart. So there are pharmacists that are above the age of 35, but they still belong to the young pharmacist group. Um, we've been joined by Lucas. Lucas is a representative of FIP. So back in school, we were in GPSA, then we graduated to now YPG and then PSGH. All these bodies are affiliated to FIP. So Lucas will quickly throw light on the body as a whole. So Lucas, if you are online, kindly unmute yourself and also put on your video, please. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Daisy and uh, everyone today. My name is Lucas. I'm uh, from FIP YPG. I'm the Members Relations Coordinator. And as pharmacist, I'm a humanitarian pharmacist. So I'm very glad to be here to speak with you about FIP to all of you new pharmacists from Ghana. And I hope that, uh, that you will have a great career as pharmacists uh, for your future. So as uh, Daisy told, the organizations from, from Ghana, the pharmaceutical organizations from Ghana are related to FIP, the International Pharmaceutical Federation. And who, who are we? I hope that some of you had the chance to hear about us in the past, but if you don't, now is a good moment. So FIP started in the beginning of the 20th century in the 1912, and is an organization to represent pharmacy as a whole. So represent the pharmacists, represent the scientists, the educators, and really uh, get all the levels of pharmacy around the world in one unified structure, FIP is a non-governmental organization based in the Netherlands and has official relations with the World Health Organization since 1948. So since uh, the end of the Second World War. And the vision of FIP is the vision of the pharmacists. So we want 
everyone in the planet, no exception, to have access to safe, effective, quality, and affordable medicines, and also the whole pharmaceutical care and health. And we want to do this to enabling the members, enabling the pharmacists of the world through practice, science, and education. Now you are finishing the, the main educational part as a pharma, as no more pharmacy students, but education uh, goes on all the time uh, with us, a continuous education, but also the practice, the science and research. So as now you are uh, prof uh, new professionals, you maybe heard in the past uh, about also the International Student Feder uh, International Pharmaceutical Student Federation. So as students, you could uh, join that and uh, participate on IPSF. But now as pharmacists, you have a new door to the world that is open for you. So you can join FIP as an individual member and you fit in very specifically as a young pharmacist inside, of course, the Young Pharmacist Group, as you do in Ghana. So we have this both, you have Global and you have Ghana. And the criteria is pretty much the same. So if you are under 35, or if you are older than 35, young at heart and recent graduate, uh, to five years after the conclusion of your first degree, you can become an uh, FIP member. And you get automatically the FIP YPG membership. The membership fee variates through the, uh, through the countries. I checked the website and if I'm not wrong for Ghana, uh, pharmacies is about 30 euros per year. And with this, you open the door for you as an individual to fully participate on the global level of pharmacy. I'm a member already for two years. So I welcome all of you to also join us and have an active participation. The, but okay, what, what, what do you do, right? Uh, as a, a global YPG. So we support the FIP strategy. So as one FIP, the youth, we are pharmacists now, right? We are officially pharmacists and you are officially pharmacists special. So as young pharmacists, we also have a saying on the profession, right? So what we as young bring new to the, to the play, to the act, and we can participate or as YPG and our own youth uh, activities, but you can also join the different uh, sections of FIP as young and bring them new ideas that we may have. We also have the engagement with the individual members and organizations. So that's why uh, we have this contact. I have this contact with you all from Ghana. So we are in direct touch with the individual members and the other YPGs that represent those individual members and those individual pharmacists around the world. And the last but not the least, the pharmacist does not work together. We need to work with the whole health level and then beyond the health with all the youth. So we believe the YPG is the youth platform for pharmacists and we need 
to engage with the other youth from the world, especially for pharmacy, of course, you have the health, you have the physicians, the nurses, the midwives, but this goes beyond and we can support and participate on the whole youth of the world. You have, for example, here in the, in the my slide, the strategic plan, if you want to have more details on how FIP thinks for the future, for the next four years. But uh, if we want to say something more objective, we can go on this. So you, new pharmacist, can join us and be active by shaping our strategy. Where the youth should go, what the youth should do, you can give your opinion. If you are not sure what to do, you just got, got graduated and you don't know where to go, you can receive career support from professionals, from uh, other pharmacy professionals from all over the world. You can join our congresses and speak as a speaker, as a panelist, but you also can go there and make questions and participate and have all the kind of activities in the FIP Congress, which unfortunately didn't happen this year due to COVID, we know, but next year in Seville, you are all welcome to join. And I hope to see some of you there. You can join our activities on professional development. So we have the leadership development workshop just before the World Congress. We have many projects, publications and documents that we work on. You can give your input there and you are most welcome. You can apply for scholarships. So FIP has different levels of uh, scholarship and grants that you can join on different areas. So from industry to leadership, the, the, for science, they have so many options and maybe some of you should apply for them and you, I'm sure that some of you can get it. You can attend the World Health Assembly, the main event of uh, uh, WHO. I had the opportunity to join once and that outstanding is probably where you have the opportunity to meet uh, the great, uh, the most important people on health from your own country. So it's really the major event uh, on health that exists. You can have your research if you have a research and you can go there and present a poster and even get an award for that. And as I told you, you can collaborate with the youth of the world in all levels. And we have some ongoing uh, things that uh, we do. So just for you to have an idea for a project. So we are, for example, now collecting the evidence uh, worldwide evidence about what the YPG, so what the youth, the organized youth do, but more than what they do, how they impact and what's the role on the global health. So what the youth brings to the global health uh, as an organization, as uh, organized and forming organizations. If you have your own organization, I he heard now about also this lady. Uh, one, if they have a youth part, they can join and they can uh, develop a survey. Of course, the people from Ghana, uh, from the YPG from Ghana, if they didn't yet, more than welcome to join and uh, share what they do and how they impact Ghana by being the youth. If you want, uh, uh, if you wanted to have a position like me inside the FIP. You are also most welcome. So now until 1st of November, so we have just a few days, uh, you can apply for the YPG subcommittee and you can join the group who is running FIP YPG. 
We have many positions, subcommittees, coordinator positions that you can apply and have a one-year mandate working with us. IRS at mine, and I hope to see many people from Ghana applying. If you need the links, the links you can also find on the social media, of course. So FIPYPG has a great uh, organization on that social media. So you can find us Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. There are many uh, YouTube that you can uh, participate, that you can go and see what we do. But it does not end there. You can see that we also work with research. So not only the research, but research with pu real publications on peer review uh, articles. And then we also have the other activities that you do. You can see here in the right of the slides, we have the newsletters that we share, we have the discussions, we have awareness. The opportunities are so great from the youth in the global, but you don't have also to go there. You can just look and bring this back to you in Ghana and improve, use what the FIP does. It is, we enable the countries to improve and to develop. And YPG enables you, the youth, so I hope to see you young and new pharmacists to have an outstanding career uh, in your life, but also to get your position and to occupy your space in the global pharmacy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lucas. Thanks so much for making time to join us. So to the newly inducted pharmacists, we encourage you to join the FIP subcommittee. So last year in Dubai, one of our very own, Mrs. Grace Nelson, had the privilege of joining the committee and it's possible for you to. Also, we have been reminded of the Stambic Bank and PSGH partnership when it comes to the national mortgage scheme, particularly for the young pharmacists, we encourage you to join them as well. Earlier, we were joined by Dr. Mrs. Martha Jansal Luchard. She had other engagements, but she chose to be here and we really appreciate it, madam. We've been joined online by over 250 participants and in-house we have about 50 people. Thank you all for joining us. Quickly, we'll move on to the session we've all been waiting for, which is the panel discussion. And to invite to the podium, Oh, okay, I'll do the introduction myself, but we'll take a break and we'll join you shortly. Hello, my name is Lovie Clements. I'm a pharmacist and I work for Novartis, a multinational pharmaceutical company. I'm a proud member of YPG PSGH because I believe it's a group that pushes for the interest of young pharmacists here in Ghana. The mission of the YPG PSGH is to develop young pharmacists who will spearhead positive change at local, national and international levels. And the vision is to project pharmacy to increasingly become an indispensable profession. 
join us and become part of YPG PSGH. It is open to all pharmacists below the ages of 35 or with five years professional practice experience or less. Follow us on all social media platforms at YPG PSGH. Thank you. My name is Olga, a delegate of this year's Miss Malaika Ghana pageant. I'm an individual who seeks to inspire others and be a role model to others while impacting the society at large. I am very honored for the support you've given to me in my journey so far, and I humbly ask that you continue supporting by voting for me. I have a mission, and that is to create the awareness on the need for us to know our genotype which is our sickle cell status now. This is to prevent future complications that may come with it. Support this goal by dialing the short code star 711 star 22 hash and let's win this round together. What is German quality? Attention to detail. Precise engineering. Confidence and trust. That is why we build on German quality. We manufacture in Germany. We quality control in Germany. We register in Germany. Ask your doctor or pharmacist for Dank Pharma. Dank Pharma. Quality for your health. Made in Germany. So welcome back everybody. Our panelists who are already seated will be engaging us and speaking to us about how to build a career in our area of practice and also on other interesting topics that will make our profession an indispensable one. So our respected um, panelists were carefully selected across all the areas of practice in pharmacy. And in the order in which they are sitting, I'll take it from my extreme right. We have Farm William Kofi Inti. He's the co-founder of Ad Pharma. Please let's appreciate them when I mention them. We also have Farm Dr. Mrs. Martha Jansa Lutrod. She's the director of the Technical Coordination Directory in the Ministry of Health. Then we have Mr. Kwakwa, who is representing the Registrar of Pharmacy Council, Dr. Ralph Audu. From Nyansen and Yansen, we have the Country Manager, Farm Priscilla Owusu Setre. And then last but not the least, we have the head of the pharmacology department in the Pharmacy School of University of Ghana, in the person of Dr. Patrick Amwatin. To moderate this panel session is a strong and exceptional woman leading the marketing and distribution of German standard products on the Ghana market. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome the beautiful Miss Na Okaile Adama Field, country manager of Deng Pharma, our title sponsors.
Thank you very much, Daisy. And um, good morning to all our guests. Good morning to the honorable panel um, members as well. So as I've been introduced already, I'll just get right to it. Um, as Daisy said, this session is essentially to help the young pharmacists um, group members to essentially learn more about the various practice areas and how they can build their careers to become the kind of pharmacists that they will see themselves becoming in the future, to become indispensable to the community at large. So thank you so much again for um, joining us. To begin with, I'd like to ask each of our panel members to tell us a little bit about their practice areas. I'll start with uh, Madam Martha, Auntie Martha, please. We know that currently there are a lot of pharmacists in policy making. We have pharmacists in the WHO, in the GNDP, the Ministry of Health, like yourself, Madam. Um, how, does, how does a young pharmacist get into the policy space? What should be their motivation? Um, is it just open to anybody? Can they just apply? Do you handpick, you know, how do pharmacists who have an interest in policy making, what do they do to get there? Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you to our virtual audience as well as uh, those that are here. I do not think that uh, you are handpicked to do policy. It's a matter of interest and uh, what you want in life. And I can cite myself as an example. As a young pharmacist at um, Thema General Hospital, that's where you know, I started with uh, UST Hospital and uh, moved there to Tema. Tema because I wanted to marry and my husband is, was at the time in Tema. So I came to Tema and uh, when I worked at... <laughs> so those are the considerations you must give yourself. Maybe as a woman, you have to uh, choose and choose wisely. Because what is the point if you are married and your husband is in family and you yourself, you are in Accra. Uh, that is a recipe for something else. So the long distance stuff sometimes may not work, especially in our area of practice. So that's lesson number one. Choose and make sure that your area of practice some way, somehow has your family at the back. I choose to work in the public at the time because I was having babies and I wanted space for myself. Why do I want the space? I want to go to work and be able to close around to pick my children and go back to work. And so that was how I began it. Then thereafter, my interest in public health increased and I decided that I must um, do something. I cannot just do a B farm and think that that, is, that will take me to the policy space. So your determination and your interests are very key and strategic. Thereafter, you add value to yourself. You cannot just sit in this room and say, okay, I have a doctor of pharmacist that has made me a pharmacist. No, you have to add value to yourself because the space is very competitive. You are, you are there with nurses, you are there with doctors, you are there with laboratory uh, scientists. And so if you are not on top of your game, uh, virtually it shows up that you cannot match up to it. So first your interest, to your, your social issues, 
And then the third is the addition of value to yourself and making sure that where you're interested, because I recall uh, when I was going to do one of my masters, the HR director said, oh, but you work in the hospital, so go and do hospital, uh, health, uh, hospital, some, some masters in hospital management. I said, no, 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 I'm interested in health management. He said, no, 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 you can't be a health management. I said, yes, that's what I want. And so I went to do the health policy. At the time, everybody was doing uh, public health. That was the in thing. And I decided that I wanted to do something different because I wanted to carve a niche for myself. And that is lesson number four. Make sure you carve a niche for yourself. It's because everybody is doing FAMD does not mean you should also be do FAMD because your interest may not be there. You may be able to do something very unique for yourself and for the community. And so I, I, I think that the space is not closed and be for selected few. I want to urge, at the time, I believe that most people would like to be in the hospital. Most people would like to be in the community. And so it is important for you to define clearly what you want in life and whether what you want to carve for yourself. You want to be, to have a competitive advantage over every other person. Uh, that's how it is, thank you. Thank you so much, Madam. Um, I'll ask uh, Mr. Kofinti now. Um, so you're in the community uh, practice. And for a lot of young pharmacists, you know, there's a perception that for you to eventually set up your own pharmacy and so on, you need to have a lot of funds. You need to have a certain um, number of years of experience. You need to be a certain age for it to be successful. What are some of the tips that you would share for those who would like to build a career in pharmacy, in, sorry, in community um, pharmacy practice? Thank you very much. Once again, my name is Oya. I found my talent in college. I started as a medical. I started from school for me to practice. Then went into marketing. I came back to combine community practice. What is important? You have to create value. You are likely to meet a community. Once they like what they are getting from you, then you have a service that is going to be needed and that will set you apart. You need to create a system that will set you apart. And that is where the difficulty is. Now, not about money, how you want it. If it is money, I don't think the businessman would have taken over our business. But you know, and I can say that with the current trend in pharmacy education, you have the best and you know the best. But what is the journey?
to success in community. You need not just what you know, but you need to work hard. So again, knowledge is key. And from school, all of you have been set on equal footing. You have the basic rudiments of pharmacy. With PharmD, you are clinically oriented. And therefore, patient care is the goal. So, and once you add crystallize in right then the third faith is character in what value are you great so you need to understand the environment you work in for instance if you choose to work in a community let's say in a shaman let me use a typical densely populated low-income community you need to understand the people their culture values what group of people are there what the environment, what are the class of health providers there? Understand all these issues. And you need all these issues. And then move on to understand the environment. Once you get that right, the net phase will be combining that to create the value that to make you sustainable. And that value will come from within money is important but i would say that money is just about 20 percent of what you do and if you work well i can promise you with integrity people will be ready to support you anybody who works well will always get a jump in life it's not going to be easy people finish school and they think they can get into community always oh, the easy catch community there it is wrong because you haven't created any value. Remember, to be a successful community practice, you have to create value. And the value will come from virtue and you. And that will set you apart. And the creating value is not the article of commerce you sell, but you need to understand the environment, one. You need to understand the patient. You need to understand the systems, the regulatory body, even pharmacy cancer, as you've been, the ethics. And these things will take you at, in that journey, give yourself seven to eight years. It's more than you get. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ms. NT, for that. Um, I'll move on to Mr. Kwakwa, please. For we know that, I mean, regulation is critical, particularly in our field as pharmacists. And so whether it's with the pharmacy council or the FDA or whichever other regulator, could you give okay. us a little bit? Um, could you give us a little bit of information on what um, pharmacists, young pharmacists who are interested in building a career in regulation, what they need to do and how to prepare for, for this career? Thank you very much. Um, as an example, I didn't start with any regulation. I happened to find myself at Pharmacy Council as a pharmacy intern. From there, when you accompany your senior officers on inspections and other duties, it is then that the interest started. So unfortunately for us, we don't have any school or any particular area that you go to learn regulation. But what I can say is that 
having been at the council for so long, it's a very challenging area, and it's an area that I will encourage a lot of people to look at. We are doing a lot of things wrong when it comes to medicine. We may not see a lot of them in the cities, but when you go to the rural areas, a lot of things are, that are not going right. And we need a lot of regulation. We need to stress on a lot of regulation in order to get things right. So yes, there's a lot of uh, opportunities in regulation, and I will encourage the young guys to look at it. Thank you so much, Mr. Papa, for that um, information. We'll move on to Madam Ousu Setre. Would you give us a little bit of insight into the RFP sector? What's, what's it like for the young ones who want to build a career in RFP? What do they expect and what's it like in there? Uh, thank you. Um, maybe I can also give a brief uh, summary of how I started. I didn't like to sit at one place. I tried being a CA. I sort of completed that and then I worked at the community pharmacy for a while where I was fired because <laughs> I would go today, tomorrow, I wouldn't show up because I thought it was, you know, a bit boring for me. I like to travel, meet people. So I thought to enter into the uh, medical rep space where I worked with MEFA. And then from there, I entered into Sanofi Aventus. I think for a young pharmacist at that time, your job was to be confident, to know your stuff, to always uh, be informed, always be educated, always on your game. And I also think that humility plays a very big and important part. And now we you know, just keep hearing about patient-centeredness. That is where it all is. That is where the multinationals are moving towards now. It's all about the patient. So it's about your ability to intellectually engage your healthcare professionals, to be innovative around patient-centered issues, and always to be abreast you know, with uh, your information and just keep your A-game. And that is how you can survive in the industry. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Um, so I'll go to Dr. Martin as well. I mean, in your space, you're the ones who bring us to this point. Um, how, how is it for pharmacists who want to come back and then also impart knowledge to the younger ones? What do they need to do? How do they, you know, equip themselves to be qualified to also follow that career path? Right, thank you so much. Um, I think it's the right I would also do the same. Um, For academia, there is not so much time to play around. You must get the decision to join academia at the very early stage. So you would need certain things to be able to come into academia. In the past, it used to be masters. Now it's strictly PhD. There is no PhD, it's a long time to get. So you would have to begin uh, by knowing exactly what you want. So for me, um, I, I got that sense from sometimes very difficult to get it all by yourself. You may be hungry, I was. Um, the late Professor 
uh, Obri. I remember after my defense, he said we want you. So that's in the text. But most people may not have it. Like, you need to create more okay. So because you have to do a PhD, you have to start um, um, just right after your degree and then pursue the opportunity to do a PhD. You may probably go through masters before you get to a PhD. I didn't go through masters right from very here to my PhD. So that was very short for me and I began my life as an academic very long. So, um, right around 28 was already um, getting my PhD. So, um, there is so many what there are younger PhD holders. You don't need to go through the master's route before you get a PhD. You can get a PhD straight from the first degree. So, once you want that, quickly go for it. And then, once you get that, then you are set for life in academia. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Dr. Mwateng. I think that as they've all spoken, we've heard some very important um, words being thrown about. I think these are really important, that you need to have values, you need to have integrity. We've heard knowledge, we've heard perseverance and determination. And I think that this is important for us to take note of so that whichever um, area we're interested in, we can begin to focus and moving to that space. Um, before the session began, we reached out to some of the young pharmacists because essentially this is your program, right? So we wanted to make sure that the questions being addressed by the panelists are actually questions, answers to questions, sorry, that you want, um, you want answers to. So we, we reached out to a few of them. So as I ask some of the questions I have, I'll also be asking the questions that are coming in from these um, young pharmacists so that Thank we you. can have a lot of information for ourselves. Thank you. One of the questions, one of the questions that came up multiple times, um, I think I'll address that to Madame Johnson-Richard, please, um, is that for foreign nationals who undertake their pharmacy studies in Ghana, they graduate and then opt to stay in Ghana to practice. Is there a reason why these pharmacists, when they're doing, for example, their family housemanship, do not receive an allowance? When they start to work, apparently they're not on the single spine salary structure. Is there a reason that perhaps you could share with the young ones who are asking this question, please? Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I think that uh, employment in this country is based on rules and laws. And uh, if you come in as a foreign student, your status is a student. And if you come in to work, then your status is changing and you must apply yourself to the laws of the country. And those laws of the country requires you to get a work permit and uh, get it through the immigration and all the things that are required. So it's not a matter of the, the ministry or whoever is em, the employer not employing, but you can have access to the private sector. They may not be so stringent in terms of uh, the nationality of persons, but the moment you decide that you want to work in Ghana in the public sector, the rules apply. 
And I think also the law is clear that the moment you want to make an income, it's just like me going to the US and wanting to practice as a pharmacist. I must get a work permit, isn't it? And so that is how it is. And uh, we cannot bend down the rule for pharmacists because pharmacists belong to the society, not the pharmaceutical society. I mean the Ghanaian society and the Ghanaian people. Thank you so much for that clarification, madam. Um, the next question I have here would perhaps be um, best addressed by Mr. Kwakwa from the Pharmacy Council. So in my time, many years ago, when you, when you, when you qualify as a new pharmacist, you could immediately um, superintend an existing pharmacy. And then I think after a year or two, you could go ahead and superintend a new um, facility if you wanted to. However, it looks as if the policy has changed a bit. Now newly qualified pharmacists have to wait for a year, per my understanding, before they can superintend even an existing facility. May I ask why the policy change? And, um, you know, basically why the policy change? And what is the way forward? Is there going to be a reversal in the future for them to be able to have these opportunities? Okay, thank you very much. Um, if you look at the, uh, the policy as I now, it's actually that when you, you qualify, you can superintend an existing pharmacy, but you have to wait one year to superintend a new pharmacy. Okay. In the past, once you finish school and you are inducted, you register as a pharmacist. And you are put Act two, Act eight five seven, that is twenty thirteen, says that when you qualify, you are put on a temporary register. Okay. Then the board will determine how long you should stay on the temporary register. After that, then you are moved on to the permanent register. So now we have two registers instead of the one register we used to have in the past. So for being on the temporary register, you can only superintend an existing pharmacy. And then when you qualify to be on a permanent register, then you can submit a, a new pharmacy. It is so because there are, it is more difficult to start a pharmacy than to submit an existing pharmacy. And again, there was another reason uh, which were, we took into consideration in coming out of that policy. We noticed that a lot, a lot of the young guys who started new pharmacy did not have enough knowledge in what they were entering into. Not knowledge of pharmacy as such, but the environment in which they were getting themselves into. So we said that you go into an existing pharmacy, once you stay in the system, you stay in the team, then you are in a better position to then enter into a new pharmacy. So that's the policy. Okay, thank you so much. Okay. Yes, ma'am. To, to yeah. add to what he said. Yes. Um, one of the things we are not taught in the school is the business aspect of pharmacy. And uh, to be, to think that the moment you're qualified as a pharmacist, you are prepared for, to work on your own. We have seen with the past years that it has been, it has not been too good because some of them were so naive and uh, people took advantage of them and uh, they themselves are not matured enough to understand the rudiments of business. And so those things inform the decision that let us get grounded a bit, let's cut our teeth a bit, and then we can start moving. 
Thank you so much, madam. So experience is key here. I think it's yeah. important to learn at the feet of others who have gone ahead of us so that with that experience, we can also um, set ourselves up for the future. My next question then would be to um, Madam Osu Setre. So you talked about your journey um, through Arepi. And for most of the young pharmacists, the question they have is, as a member of Arepi, or as, as someone working with one of the multinational pharmaceutical companies, um, is it only a medical rep that you can be a medical representative? They see the reps, you have a car, you um, visit the prescribers or pharmacists and whichever other healthcare professional. Is this perception accurate? Is that what it is to be a part of our repi? Or are there other roles and opportunities within which they could also aspire to? Thank you, Now, And this is a very, very important um, question. Things have changed so much. In fact, sometimes you wish you didn't have the car and you didn't have the suits that came with a job. The car, the phones you see, you know, they are just tools that today's uh, medical rep will use for an efficient um, execution. Sales may be just an entry level, for example, for a new person, you know, like a young pharmacist who wants to come into the multinational industry. Aside that, today there's departments in regulatory, there's market access because the multinationals now, we're not thinking about profit, we're thinking about making our products easily accessible um, in terms of policy and reinvestment to the patient. There's also government affairs and public relations. There's a legal sector, IT, finance, accounting, HR, just, um, okay, so there's also pharmacovigilance, right? There's product quality, patient safety, public health, research, and then there's leadership, managerial positions, product management, marketing. There's a whole world of areas. So again, I think um, Antimata said, it's not just about finishing FMD to say that you have it all. You can go beyond studying other things that can make you relevant in the uh, multinational industry. And for you to be able to navigate your way around um, all these various new roles that are now emerging in the emerging markets, um, if I should say so, yes. It's not just about a car. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Um, thank you for that clarification. Sure. So there are more opportunities within the RFP um, sector. Speaking of the FAMD, which you mentioned, um, when, when Auntie Martha was speaking, she made reference to the fact that you do not necessarily have to do certain programs because everyone is doing it and so on. But FAMD in particular was introduced not too long ago. And we have a couple of questions around that. Um, I'm not sure which of you would want to take it, maybe maybe Dr. Martin or maybe even Auntie Martha, that with this new D that we have introduced and we have brought out a number of graduates in this area, is there going to be a time where not having the D will be a disadvantage in your practice as a pharmacist? Does everyone eventually need to top up their BFARM degree um, to get a farm D, please. I don't know which of you would like to take that. Maybe would you like to comment initially or? Um, I want to okay. add on yes. that. Sure. Um, when it comes to practice of pharmacy, whether it be farm, farm D, first identify your interest first. 
if you want to stay in the public space, for instance, want to the Ghana, want to work in the public service, like Ghana Health Service, then it's imperative that you up yourself. Because you see, in the health service, you need to graduate, you need to move up the scale, you need to become a manager. And you can't go with just be farm. You need to, as Antimata said, he started as a pharmacist, but today it's a policy. So when you go into the space, as a public space, and, and understand what happens there, and choose your interest, and then you may decide even to do PharmD, if you are interested in clinical aspect, or go into something else like public health, policy, anything that will give you the leverage so that it become relevant. But if you ask me if you want to come to, let's say, community practice, it's not what you know, it's what you do. You see, in life, there are two separate things. What you know is important, but equally of importance is what you will do of what you know. You don't need to have FAMD to do so much. I remember 20 years ago when I left school as B farm holder. At that time, I knew the importance of clinical pharmacy. So I enrolled, even though I didn't finish, and got the skill set and study because I knew I needed a clinical aspect to fashion and help me with my marketing at a pharmacist who went to Arapi for a bit and also in my community practice. So I took it upon myself to study what I need to polish up so that I can make up for the patient. And that's what is important. Identify first your interest and then work towards it. It's not necessary a whole skill. Oh, we are all doing BFAB. If I don't do it, it's not going to make you a lesser of a pharmacist. But what you do will differentiate you from the others. And that's very key. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. My okay. conflict of interest is that I'm one of the proponents of the fact that B farm is not enough to be able to practice effectively as a pharmacist at this point in time. Yeah. And so at the, at the beginning of the top up, which we push, virtually we push the university to do that that we need people in the system that can mentor the new um, FAMD graduates. And so at that time, the thinking was like, okay, um, if you don't have a, a FAMD, you cannot be registered. Therefore, everybody must go and, read, and, and do the top up. But the law is clear regarding who should be a pharmacist. And so the law is changed regarding the uh, appropriate degree. Uh, we cannot say that everybody should go and do a top up. But I must say that today, unlike maybe 10 years ago, opportunities to improve ourselves are tremendous. The government has enacted Act A33 that established the College of Pharmacists. The College of Pharmacists have about six uh, practice areas and several specialities. And with that, even if in your public sector, it gives you an advantage to be able to progress, to become a specialist, a consultant, or a senior specialist within your area of practice. And so I think that um, it is not so much about you wanting to do the top up, it's also a decision you have to make. The law did not make you to do a top up before you become 
a recognized pharmacist. The law is clear regarding who should be a pharmacist and who should not. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that clarification, madam. Um, now I'd like to ask um, for each of your comments on this as we get ready to wrap the session up. Um, typically we have young pharmacists who after school would drop their CVs in various places, whether it's a private sector, those who want to go into the public sector too will be keeping their eyes and ears open and so on. For a lot of them, the feedback they get is that we do not currently have any opportunities for you. We do not currently have any opportunities for you. How does a young pharmacist know when opportunities exist in your um, specific um, sectors? And how do they access these available opportunities? What's the best way for them to go about actually getting job jobs? So this is actually like the practical bit of it, please. Maybe I'll start with Mr. NT. Yes. If you want to go into community practice, I always say that why don't you do voluntary service? 20 years ago, I did voluntary service and it's the same today. It won't change because naturally, by the time you step out, somebody is there. Until you prove yourself worthy, nobody will give you space. So I tell people that go out there and offer a free service. I remember working at Randy once in school and after school, going to Kualibu when all my mates has left after national service. And Kualibu was stressed out because normally when there's a service gap between those who are coming in for the new entrance, within that three months period, they decided to go and work for free. And lo and behold, I got opportunity to make a short presentation and that gave me my first job as a rep. So I always tell people that step out there, don't sit in your house and send application. Go and ask people to help people be ready to offer a service and don't always add value or monetary value to what you want to give. And I can assure you that you always have a space to start. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Ms. Enti. Um, Madam, please, what about you? I, I think that, uh, I think Mr. Enti has uh, raised a very important issue. Voluntarism has been lost on all of us. People are not willing to work for free, uh, but there's a lot you can gain when you offer yourself. I know people who are staying at home and wanting that to, they drop applications, like you rightly said. But I must say that for the Ministry of Health and Service Employment, it's based on financial clearance from Ministry of Finance. And for about four, four years, for instance, pharmacists have not been recruited until recently, which application we put in in 2018 before we got about 300 who are being recruited. But I can tell you that some people were working in facilities and uh, some of them are on pittance. I mean, just a little money, but they have survived and they are working. And I, I will give you an example. Uh, the person is not a pharmacist. The person came to do national service in my office and they finished, go. He said, I won't go, I want to stay with you. And so, he stayed for about two to three years. At a point in time, I realized that, hey, I have to virtually, uh, you know, I have to give him transport at least to go home. But that service alone, when I saw that, an opportunity came. He was one of the first to be recruited. And so I think that um, opportunities are there, but sometimes we are too cautious that we don't want to take the first steps in terms of wanting to help people. 
Samasiska Society organizes a lot of AGMs. How many people will go to the society's office and say, I want to volunteer to do ABCD? I'm sure I can see yourself who had done several things for the society, not for fee, but at the, today you can stand here and speak confidently. Some of the things we gain from doing this type of services cannot be bought. It cannot be bought. It is not also taught. Mm -hmm. I bet there are things that live with you the rest of your life. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Madam, for that. Uh, Mr. Kwakwa, please. Yes, just add to Madam. Um, as a public service, we always depend on the government to give us clearance to employ. And once that clearance comes, it is advertised. So I also advise the young guys, we spend so much time on social media and other things, but <laughs> how often do we even read the newspapers and see what's happening in those papers? Sometimes information are put in there that we don't even see. And then my second advice is to look at, in developing yourself, don't be so restrictive to pharmacy. Look at other fields, other areas, law and all those areas. Once you do those things, you add more value to yourself. I did my master's in management information system that's starting to do pharmacy, but I'm glad I did. So we have to look at other first too. Thank you so much, Mr. Kwakwa. Yes, please, please. Thanks. Now, um, my other panelists have said a lot, and I think they've gone into, you know, deeper into the topic. Today, the young ones, well, I'm not that old, but you know, <laughs> the young ones are very engrossed on their phones, you know, on what is going on. And you feel that dropping your CV at an office means that I'm going to call you for an interview and offer you a job. First of all, we also need the budget, you know, to recruit. Secondly, sometimes you just need to study the market, right? You need to develop your networking. If there's a seminar somewhere, if, you know, Denk is having a meeting somewhere, you can budge in, sit down, listen. At the end of the day, you talk to Nash, strike an acquaintance, make an impression. The next time she's looking for something, she has you here. But dropping your CV, honestly, does not do much. I think that strong and strategic networking, strategic networking. So find time and, you know, uh, step back from social media. Go physically, you know, physically, you, you come to my office and you say, oh, can I talk to you? What have you been doing? How do you think I can help you? you we don't bite, honestly, you know, and my office is open for anybody who wants to come and talk, not necessarily get you a job, but just to ask about the business, you know, strike a network, build a network. And someday, if, I'm, if we are looking for somebody, you might just be the person that we call. Thank you so much for that. Dr. Martin. All right. Thank you, Na. Um, in academia, it's a bit different uh, because we require some level of, you know, certification. So at least you should have a PhD. But I would like to share an example from um, an experience I had, which I think would help everyone here. Um, I'm currently the president of the Neuroscience, Ghana Neuroscience Society of Ghana. Um, and I was once approached by a medical doctor who wanted to um, pursue neuroscience as a career. And he was supposed to have done this, um, you know, this houseman thing and become a doctor. But he decided, no, he wanted to 
learn. So he was ready to work with me in my lab. He was ready to do research at everything that I had. And afterwards, he wanted recommendation for a PhD program, and I gladly offered it. So just in the same way as professional, um, the, um, being a volunteer is important, you should always look at it that way. Whatever you want to do, if you want to come to academia, come to us, let's talk. Maybe there will be some opportunities for you. There will be some um, studentship positions that are available that we can point you to. And then in so doing, you get that and then you get the qualification that would enable you come in as an academic or a researcher. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Mwating. I think that we've had a lot today. Um, I like the concluding remarks really that it's important as young pharmacists that we learn to volunteer, give off our services sometimes for free, in turn, whatever it is. Um, also strategic networks, very important. And then add to yourself, develop yourself, learn more. Don't restrict yourself to one sector so that when opportunities come, um, you would be qualified to take them on. Thank you so much to all our panelists. We're really grateful for your time and for the information and knowledge shared. And thank you to all the participants as well. Thank you. Thank you. Title sponsor, a representative of our title sponsor, Deng Pharma. That's in the person of Francis Oklu. But before that, we'll just take a short break and then we invite him. Um, Farm Mrs. Yvonne Yurenchiwa will also be joining us to give the closing remarks on behalf of the chairperson. And then our communications officer also take us through how we can officially become members of YPG. Deng Pharma, you have just five minutes. And then Madam Yurenchiwa, you have two minutes. Thank you. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This afternoon, my task is very simple to explain or to talk about Deng Pharma and what we do. And I'm very, very happy to do this because I've been working with Deng Pharma for the last 10 years. And I can tell you that everything that I say here has been experienced firsthand. Let's quickly go on to our discussion. The first thing that I want everybody to know is Deng Pharma is a German company. Everything that comes out of Deng Pharma is made in Germany. We've been supplying quality of patent medicines for the last 70 years, and we are in over 80 countries across the world. Deng Pharma stands for just quality. When we say Deng Pharma, the first thing that should come to your mind is quality. Quality in terms of product manufacture, quality in terms of product packaging, quality in terms of delivering the products to the patients in the form that they, they desire to have. That is, if you intend to give 10 milligram of any medication to a patient, if you pick a pack of Deng Pharma products and you dispense a tablet that is said to be 10 milligram, you are getting that 10 milligram. Our guiding principle, as I've mentioned, is quality. Without quality, then Deng Pharma becomes just any other 
ordinary generic manufacturing company, but we put in quality right from the selection of the active ingredients through to the packaging and to the delivery as well. We believe that no matter where you are on the surface of this earth, you are supposed to get quality medicines. And therefore, we will not manufacture products specifically for Africa and manufacture other products for Asia. If you pick a pack of Deng Pharma products in Ghana here, as soon as you step into the German market as well and you present the same pack, it will be accepted. Why? Because the product is registered in Germany it is quality controlled in Germany as well. And it is marketed as well on the German market. So anytime you select a Deng Pharma product for your patient, you can guarantee that patient quality. You can guarantee that patient safety as well. I wanted to play this video, but because of time, I'll skip the video and go to the next point. Okay. The WHO estimates that one in 10 products on the developing markets, that's the developing countries, and the lower middle income countries, one in 10 of them is substandard. And when we talk about substandard products, we are talking about products that either have less of the active ingredient, or it has a contaminant that is unknown at all, or the, the stated active ingredient is not there at all. And this is what Bank Pharma will guarantee you that when you pick our products, when you pick any of our products, you are sure to have all the active ingredients as stated in there. When you pick a product and give it to your patient or you select a Deng Pharma product and give it to your patient, you are giving the patient quality. You are also giving the patient reliability that the products that the person is taking for a particular condition will do as stated, and then safety. That means you will not have any problem with the drug in terms of contaminants. We don't just manufacture products and then sell them on the market, no. What we do is we train our medical reps to add value to your practice. So in case you meet a Deng Pharma medical representative in your practice, do not see that Deng Pharma representatives are, as coming to give you stress or coming to give you any headache. The person wants to come and add value to whatever you do. What we do is we organize a very important CPDs to update people on the information about the medicines that we give to them to give to their patients. What we also do is to also give some materials to support in your practice. I think quite recently, we had some stethoscopes that we give to doctors to support them in their practice. In the pharmacies too, we have charts that we give to the practitioners to be able to support their patients in the care. And so anytime you meet a Deng Pharma rep in your practice, whether community practice or hospital practice, see them as partners in the practice of the profession. They come there to give you information. They come there to add onto your practice. Then Pharma also has a wide range of products, a wide range of products that you can select for your patients. We don't just focus on a particular area and say that this is what we do. What we do is we do a wide range of products. I can see here we have from analgesics through antibiotics and quite recently we've added our oncology lines as well. Oncology is a developing and emerging market, and we are trying to build that market as well to support the treatment of cancer patients also in Ghana. Okay. 
Ding Pharma thought about it that it is not only when someone gets sick before you will provide medication to take care of the person. We looked at it and decided to also bring about Denk Nutrition or to start the Denk Nutrition portfolio. The Denk Nutrition portfolio is to support patients once you give them medication and they have become well, to keep them well. So we want to cover the two sides, making people well and keeping them healthy as well. So we have Denk Nutrition. So maybe you are accustomed to the yellow and black label of Denk Pharma. Now you see somebody with a Denk Pharma product in a purple color, in a purple color. And then you ask yourself, is this the same Deng Pharma that we are talking about? No, we are talking about Deng Nutrition. This is a branch of Deng Pharma that says that we don't need only to treat people, but we also need to keep them healthy. So we have supplements and other support treatments as well. Okay, so we have the Deng Nutrition is also a reliable partner for healthcare so that when you are treating a patient and need something to support the patient, you can look at that side too. Across your patient groups, we have products for all of them, children, adults, geriatrics, we have products for all of them as well. And therefore, any time any time, at any point in time, you have a need for a product within the Deng Pharma portfolio, and you choose one of them, you know that you have selected quality, you know that you have selected reliability, and you know that you have selected safety. To contact our agents or our distributors, the people who usually will distribute our products for us are Gokals Laborex, East Cantonment Pharmacy, and then Unique Care Pharmacy. Anytime that you have any difficulty in getting through to any of them, you can contact us either at our office opposite the Fiesta Royal Hotel at Apex Square, or you can contact us in person with the numbers that have been provided on screen. Thank you very much and have a pleasant day. I believe this has been a good meeting, your inaugural meeting as YPG of Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana. We have discussed ethics, professionalism, and steps to take when starting life in the profession. Indeed, as well as as you progress in your career. Your theme for your inaugural meeting, I must say, is quite apt. The future and the journey, the indispensable pharmacist. COVID-19 has shown us has made it clear to all, and I believe the president of the Republic of Ghana even mentioned it when he addressed us as Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana, that the pharmacist is a critical part of ensuring that the health of the nation, of all members in the community are secured both in normal times and in emergencies. And with you, your energy, your foresight as evidenced in the selection of your theme, I actually see a bright future for our profession and for our nation. What I will urge you to do as we wrap up is use your energy, work hard, because hard work always pays. 
explore new areas. Those are some of the concepts that have been discussed today. Explore areas, expand your horizon. Look for areas that other people haven't seen. Of course, be on top of your game. Ensure that you are always abreast with the current trends. But work and try to see whether you cannot be the one setting the current trend for others to follow. Be analytical in your thoughts. Think outside the box. In some instances, you must even get rid of the box completely. And I will end with these words that the Apostle Paul gave to the young Timothy. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set a good example. God bless YPG. God bless the Pharmaceutical Society of Ghana. And God bless Ghana. Thank you. Thank you very much, Madam Vice President. Um, with YPG, our mission is to make sure we build pharmacists that will spearhead positive change at local, national, and international levels. That being said, people are asking, how do we become members of YPG PSGH? It's quite simple. Follow us on all our social media platforms at YPG PSGH, all together on all platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. And then you join our WhatsApp pages. We'll send the links to our social media pages. And in our group, we don't collect dues, but the donations are welcome. And one of the key donations you can make is your human resource. The human resource is what we need from you. We need to be able to count on you as young pharmacists. We need to be able to access your skill sets. We need to be able to use you to build our profession up. Thank you very much for joining our program. And we hope to see you in our groups in future. Thank you. So we've come to the end of our program and I just want to sincerely thank PSGH. They've been so supportive. Special thanks goes to Farm Paul Donko, Farm Rodney. We also want to thank our panelists, most importantly, Without them, the last session wouldn't have been possible. Our sponsors, Denk Pharma, we say a very big thank you, and we hope that going forward, we will be able to do more collaborations. Thank you, Mega Life Sciences. Thank you, Pharmanova. So I just want to add that we have subcommittees in YPG PSGH. So even if you don't have the opportunity to be a national executive, you can still serve in the subcommittees. We have the project uh, team, the project coordination team, the communications and other roles like the assistant executive secretary and the like. Just reach out to us, depending on your interest, your competence, we'll find a place to put you. So thank you all so much, especially uh, most recently qualified pharmacists. Thank you all. Thank you, executives of YPG. If I've left your name out, kindly forgive me, but thank you so much for your time.